Welcome to the Swamp Flicks Podcast. My name is Brandon Lede. I'm Brittany Lombos. I'm James Cohn. And I'm Hannah Rassinen. And we are recording in my living room in 7th Ward, New Orleans. 7th Ward? What was that? 7th <laughs> Ward. 7th Ward. It's the mythical land of New Orleans. <laughs> Seven Wards ago, we all gathered. Um, this is the podcast version of the movie review website, Swamp Flicks. Swamp Flicks. It's been a minute since we've all been in a room together. How's everybody doing? It's cold as fuck in this city right now. Yeah. It's not pleasant. It's, I'm kind of into it. What's wrong with you? Well, yeah, get out of here. <laughs> like, it makes Go. me feel like wealthy. <laughs> what? Like, you have I'm... to wear so many coats? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Just so very luxurious. Like, the cold weather um, and like a big coat where I'm like, yeah. I'm rich. You're like, living your like right. Upper East Side right. New York City fantasy right Correct. Now. Go and take out yeah. the trash. Get those like big rings on your fingers. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Maybe when I take the trash out, I'll wear a little beret. Just for <laughs> right. the little like. I could assess her <laughs> I agree with Brittany. I, I like the cold. It makes me happy. <laughs> Thank you. I was... I, I think I was like harping on it to James because I have all these sweaters and I was like, it's fine. You just need sweaters and then you're fine. You're protected from the cold. And then my dad came for my birthday, which was on Monday. And like the first Woo-hoo. thing he said, we were talking about the weather and he was like, you just need extra layers with the cold and you can. So like clearly I'm cut from the same cloth. <laughs> layer up. Yeah, yeah. Layer up. I went to Rouse's earlier and that the security guard working the front, I walked by and all he said was like, I'm done with this shit. <laughs> no, that's the correct oh, attitude. I'm done with this shit. It's like, it like the first day. It's really cool. Can they let you stand inside? Is it right. like that important that you stand right here? Please. It is. I think it is supposed to get to feels like 30-ish tonight, which is, it's pretty bad for, for here. It just happens so fast. Like yeah. It was like 80 degrees, then it dropped like right. 40 degrees overnight. Yeah. It hasn't gone back. Maybe that'll make us extra mean today because we're talking about very sweet material. Oh, my gosh. Maybe we can get a little harsh as like the uh, chill sets in while <laughs> we're in this right. room. Uh, before we get into the the extra sweet material, uh, what have y'all been watching since the last time we hung out? I watched um, Imitation, An Imitation of Life, the Douglas Sirk movie. We were just talking Ooh. about melodrama. I know. It's in the air. It's in the air. Something about like the holidays, the weather. It just it's so dramatic. Mm-hmm. Um. And I, like, I feel like I've seen like bits and pieces of this movie and I just went ahead and like rented it through Amazon mm-hmm. and watched it and it was a wild ride. It was not what I expected it to be because all of the artwork on the posters, it shows like, um, yeah, like Lana Turner front and center, but the film like really isn't about her character that much. Like it kind of is. But it's not like the driving force for the movie. The driving force is, um, well, it it is a film about Lana Turner, a single mother raising her daughter in New York. And she's a struggling actress and model. And she befriends a, a black woman and her child and invites them to like live with her because they don't have a place to, to live at the moment when they when they meet. And then her, the black woman's daughter, wants to be white and, you know, she's living with this, like, little blonde white girl and going through the whole, like, I want, you know, the white doll and I don't want, I don't want to be seen with you, mom, because you're black. And she's, she's, like, white passing and she's ashamed of her mother and, like, her mom as, like, Lana Turner's character gets gigs and becomes wealthier. She starts to treat her like a maid and her daughter 
is really struggling with like her racial identity and it gets to the point where she just leaves and is like i don't want to see you again like don't come around me because i don't want people to know that i'm black and it is like just so heart-wrenching and it's so sad but like lana turner's character like is just in the background like oh yeah my career as an actress it's wild all these dudes i'm dating but it's like not that big of a deal in the movie where like the the big character is like the daughter who's like trying to be white passing yeah um and it was really good wow very good when was it made the 50s right 50s yeah it wasn't like my favorite of his central ones but it is really sprawling and like feels like it's got a huge scope compared to like yeah. All that heaven allows, or uh, yeah. written on the wind, which are like these very insular mm-hmm. stories. Yeah, that one was more Peyton Place scale, which yes. uh, is another melodrama we're all watching. Stay soon. tuned. Yeah. <laughs> um, and just to touch on another film that I watched, um, that's newer. I watched Don't Worry, Darling, and oh, I really liked it. Really? So did Boomer. Okay, cool. Because it reminded me of like if a more modern day Stepford Wives and I yeah. love Stepford Wives and I love like the bizarre like Stepford Wives twist in here that like I don't want to talk too much about but it's freaking cool and it's just a, a beautifully shot movie um really really cool kitschy like vibrant like 1950s yeah, yeah, yeah. backgrounds right. and that kind of makes it a little creepier like it's it's kind of funny quirky and spooky all at the same time um and i liked it and i think a lot of times when i go in watching a movie where i'm like people have been talking about how bad this is and i'm like god it's gonna be shit and it's good i'm like oh man this was really good (laughs) so i don't know if like it was an okay movie and i just had low expectations right and then i liked it a little bit more than i thought i would so now i'm like god one of the best movies of the year <laughs> it would be funny if it ended up on our best of the year list yeah. I, I would encourage might. that behavior it could happen but yeah so have y'all seen it i've not seen it and it has like you i love the stepford stepford wives thing yeah. i love like black mirror stuff i love twilight zone stuff I so i feel like this. it has all the bones that would indicate I would like it, and then there's so much like I don't know. There was all of that shit about the production, a and tabloid then, shit. Yeah. yeah, and then apart from that, people just kind of railing on it in general. So I feel like very hesitant to watch it, but I I feel like I should, and maybe you'll be the boost for do me. It, do it, do it. <laughs> the, the tabloid shit was so lid. entertaining, though. Yeah, was it? Yeah, it was like people were like dissecting whether or not. A person spat on like another Harry person in public. Yeah, it was like JFK, like conspiracy theory Wait, what level was that? shit. Oh, I don't oh, know. That, if I no, it was that the part. Harry Styles. Like, looked like he spat on Chris Pine, and there was this oh. whole thing. Oh, I didn't like, catch that. It got to a level where people were just talking about the movie so much that I was like, right. "There's no way it's as interesting as the yeah. conversation about right. it." Yeah, and mm. I just like I don't know. I just don't care for m- most of the conversation about a movie turning mm. into like the backstage yeah whatever you know i think generally we were really positive on men as a group yeah that movie and like That's that movie true. also yeah. got just as like shat on by the same people who hate this one which yeah. I, I was able to watch in the last month as well did you like mm-hmm. it i liked it all yes right. all right yeah it's a good so top two <laughs> movies of the year from the swapless crew <laughs> men and don't worry darling it just depends uh, on which one is slightly know, better than the other i i see that i foresee it <laughs> we just love like feminist parables <laughs> yes we you know do. Um, so James, what have you been watching? Well, actually, I went to the movies with Hannah and Brandon. We went and saw Triangle of Sadness. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which 
I loved. Really good. Yeah. That's another one that people have been shitting on, by the way. Which, <laughs> yeah. undeservedly so. Come on. With that much vomit and shitting, <laughs> ri- like watching rich people wallow in their own filth is just... Yeah, there's like a 30-minute section in the middle of the film that was the funniest shit I've seen all year. Like just I've- Woody Harrelson reading Karl Marx quotes over <laughs> yeah. a loudspeaker. Arguing with a capitalist Russian. Yeah, that was that was really good. And then... The latest film we saw in the theater was The Banshees of Innershiren. Innershiren. Uh The new film by Martin McDonough, who did In Bruges and Three Billboards. And this stars same um, actors as In Bruges. You have Colin Farrell and uh, Brendan Gleeson. And they play these two friends on this Irish island who one day... Colin Farrell is going to have a pint with his buddy and Brendan Gleeson's like, dude, I don't want to be friends with you anymore. I'm good. Like I'm done with this friendship. He's like, what, but why? Like I thought we were amazing. He's like, Oh, you're kind of boring and dull. And I want to focus on my fiddle playing and you can go fuck off. And if you like come and bother me anymore, I'm going to cut off one of my fingers. So it's like this, like kind of folklore thing. But, um, Really, really funny and also really like moving in parts about like friendship and what do we owe the people that we've let into our lives and what does it mean to trample on other people for our artistic endeavors. I think it's the best thing he's ever done. I mean, I was a fan of I love in Bruges. I thought three billboards was good. I know we were kind of divided on that one, but I thought this was fantastic and in the theater i seen i mean hana saw with me i think everybody was laughing along with it and it was really really good and one of the best things i've seen this year yeah this is a very good movie about companionship and about like what people owe to other people in terms of companionship and it looks at like all of these different spheres of loneliness um, of these people living on this island. So there's the the primary relationship between the two friends. And then um, Colin Farrell's sister is, I think she's a librarian on the island. Or she she just loves books. But she is like extremely lonely. Nobody really understands her. And she's trying to like form community and find a way off of the island. And then there's this like kind of village... He's, he's like the village dullard, but he has like a very, very difficult life. He's also isolated and like kind of cast as a character by everybody else on the island. So I thought it was, you know, he Martin McDonough has these really like hyper violent movies, you know, very funny, but very focused on like um, retribution and violence. And this was such a thoughtful, like beautiful movie about like love and friendship and i really like even if you don't like martin mcdonough i would recommend seeing this movie i really liked y'all it. y'all are talking me into it yes and the trailer when we saw it in front of um triangle of sadness made me laugh yeah so i was like okay it's really yeah it's really really good it looked and like look like, like it had a really noble mule in it too oh, oh my god <laughs> don't we can't can't, can't talk, talk about, about it, it. Right. it's the, it's really good there, there's one the last thing i'll say there's one particular exchange of dialogue that has really been like thought provoking for me. Like since I saw it where Colin Farrell is telling Brendan Gleeson, like, 
But what about just being nice? Like, you know, and Brendan Gleeson's like, nobody remembers nice. Like, <laughs> people remember Beethoven. They don't remember the friendly guy down the road. And that's kind of what the film, like the heart of it is about. Is like, is it enough to just be a good person? Or should we strive to be remembered for our art, our works, you know, the things we've done in our life? Or is it enough to be kind to people? And yeah, and the movie, the movie, I think, has an answer that is pretty profound. Or even well, like, is it just as meaningful to be a good person and to create strong relationships as it is to like make great pieces or if you, of art? You make great, great pieces of art, but you alienate people and you hurt people. What's the better life? I think the movie has like a really interesting answer or brings up those questions. So, well, so Hanna, what have you been seeing? Well, those were the two <laughs> movies. The two. <laughs> I'm sorry. But I'll ta- I, I guess I'll talk a little bit more about the Triangle of Sadness. I, so I feel like probably a lot of people have seen the trailer and know generally mm-hmm. what it is, but it's, you know, the cruise of the this like the uber rich and it's very focused on classes and the power dynamics between classes and how those power dynamics change when you're like kind of outside of you know society um and it's it's very interesting um and i the kind of lead couple in the movie is like they're obviously wealthy they're these like models but they're nowhere near like the level of excess as the um the the patrons of this ship and uh, the director is Ruben Ostland, and he did Force Majeure. He did uh, The Square, and he's really good at these like very uncomfortable um, social dynamics. And there, the movie has like a lot of kind of grandiose events that happen, like explosions, like lots of shit pouring out of people. Uh, <laughs> but but there are these like really really great kind of small exchanges between people that really like for instance there is this woman in the pool and there is a worker she would almost be like a waitress she's like one of the upper class of the employees on the ship um and they're sitting together and the rich woman is like you need to get in the pool come and we should trade places get in the pool and the the other woman is like obviously not allowed to do this and she's like no you know that's fine i'm okay and then it becomes like increasingly demanding and you can just feel the tension um between these two building and like the demands of like relaxation this rich woman is putting on this worker are like increasingly uncomfortable i don't know i i really treasured like all of those little moments yeah um i mean it opens with like a really lengthy bickering fight between yeah this couple on a date about who's gonna pay the right. dinner bill yeah and it's hard to imagine anyone else in the movie ever thinking no. about that like, <laughs> who cares like right. there's like money just flowing out of everyone else's pockets yeah so I think that I think it was was it two hours? I think longer. It was, yeah. Okay, it oh, wow. it was a long movie. It did not it did not feel particularly long to me. It was very fun. I I laughed a lot. I think it's my favorite movie that he's made. Like, yeah, I thought it was very like broadly entertaining. Mm-hmm. Um, in a way where like all of the class politics stuff was just kind of out in the open. Yeah, but in a cathartic way. Like it didn't feel like thuddingly obvious to me. It was just like, well, this is how it is. Now let's yeah. like drag 
the rich down to like the level of like little pigs rolling right. around their own filth and like laugh at them. Yeah. Which to me is fine. Like the the blowback I've been seeing is like that's too easy of a target. Like everyone agrees that, you know, the ultra wealthy are evil. But right. like that doesn't mean that you can't have like a good, healthy laugh at it. Yeah. Like, well, yeah, that doesn't make it less enjoyable. Yeah, I was saying a lot about like Parasite, which got a lot of critical praise, which seemed to really delve into like the nuance of class. And this is pretty in your face. Yeah. Like rich people are awful. They run the world. Let's watch them shit and piss on right. themselves. That sounds and great. Like yeah. have the power Howl- dynamics flipped yeah. on them. Yeah, yeah. and howling laughter. And it's like extremely entertaining. So Brandon, what have you been watching? Well, I left town. I went to San Francisco for five nights. And I'm going to split my movie adventures between two recordings. So I'll just, I'll give you all what I watched on the flight and uh, one fun movie thing I did there. But um, I went for the first time I've ever had like in-flight entertainment on an airplane. Like I've never had that be an option for free. Really? Um, And I watched Top Gun Maverick, which I believe is the the only movie that's come out this year, depending on who you talk to. Right. Um, (laughs) That movie's a fucking piece of shit. (laughs) I hated it. Really? I was like mad at it. Yeah. Oh, oh wait, yes. Wait. But here's the thing, though. Oh, you didn't yes. see it in IMAX. Okay. You but, saw it in a little screen behind someone's but seat on an airplane. But in my defense, after the connection flight for the second leg, I watched Top Gun 1986 and mm-hmm. loved it. Oh, wow. So that worked, well, I think that worked really Top well Gun's on a, a tiny screen. <laughs> you were Top Gunning in those planes. This right. Wild. No, that is like, I feel like that is the prime location to for watching watch it. I was yeah, getting the 4D the experience. Yeah. yeah. There's like a roar of yeah. an engine in the background. <laughs> if it doesn't work <laughs> in a plane, vibrating. it doesn't work. <laughs> yeah. The turbulence. The fear of uh, crashing was like really getting my like uh, adrenaline going. Right. So what was it about the new one that you didn't care what for? What is it? It's like an amusement park attraction where uh-huh. you just like go through the hall of memories of things that happened in the earlier film and like tom cruise looks like a fucking ghoul but like you're supposed to find him attractive but but you you didn't see it in imax where the, this, is is miles teller is miles teller playing 20 seconds of great balls of fire to remind you of the time that someone else played great balls of fire yeah that a movie was that his, came out the year you were fucking born dude, that was like dad. is that good that's his dead dad <laughs> it's like a remember what happened last time we're older now like yeah. that's the whole movie well it's a big nostalgia i mean that's a lot of films oh, that and it looks so trips. dull like there's no color there's no texture everyone's supposed to be sexy but there's no actual horniness in it and the <laughs> old one is like so horny it's basically gay porno, but like with an MTV soundtrack. Well, I found I hated the, that movie so the much. The '86 <laughs> one to be like, there's a lot of like homoerotic stuff oh, in it. Totally, especially like it's that song from Kenny Loggins where it's like, play it, play it with the boys. Oh yeah, <laughs> and they're all yeah, hard as a rock. But did you know that <laughs> Tom Cruise he made all the actors ride in the in the planes the least interesting aspect of filmmaking possible yeah (laughs) like let's borrow expensive planes from the military that cinema like fuck off all right sucks (laughs) what i'll say is like i i agree with a lot of what you're saying but seeing it in imax again the the jet scenes were were pretty loud (laughs) yeah and in like 
It's pretty enthralling to see it uh, on a big screen. It, it made me hate the fact that people complain <laughs> about how no no good original movies come out now. And then the only two movies people went out to see this year were a Spider-Man movie and Top Gun. <laughs> yeah. Like, like <laughs> well, I'm really like mad about that. James, are you like into planes? No, no, no. Do you I, think that like I, I've talked about this movie before and like I think it's fine. Like I don't mm. I didn't love it. It's just so empty to me. Like but there's just nothing to it. It was an experience seeing those jet scenes like in a crowded theater where it's extremely loud and the seats vibrating. I I understand why it made so much money. To me, this is just as embarrassing as making Bohemian Rhapsody after Walk Hard. <laughs> like making this after MacGruber is like just as much of a fucking embarrassment. Like this movie was already made fun of before it came out. There's just it's 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 really like a huge waste of money and time and energy. Yeah. Man, what a great rant, Brandon. <laughs> no, was, I was I've no, been angry about it and I've had no yeah. one to talk to about no, it for it's days. Great. I feel like <laughs> you've injected so much fire into this podcast. <laughs> we'll we'll save that for one of the movies yeah. we're talking about today too, because I hated it just as much. Oh uh, my god. <laughs> I wonder if it's the same one I didn't like. Probably. <laughs> Ooh, I don't know. I did like a movie I saw too. I'll I'll, I'll end on a okay. positive note. But in San Francisco, I went to the Roxy, which is this Britannia style single screen theater. It's been open for a hundred years. I saw this movie called Solomon King from the mid seventies. It's a black exploitation gem that's just kind of been lost. It was made by this guy, um, Saul Watts, who owned a bunch of stores in Oakland. Um, Like he owned like a men's fashion boutique and like a fish monger shop and like a few other like just unassociated stores. Like he sold furniture and stuff. Mm -hmm. And he basically used the wardrobe from his like leisure suit men's fashion like 70s store to like cool. dress up all his employees Ugh. as extras for this like black exploitation movie where he is the shaft type figure like it's like a vanity project for this like small regional king of commerce in Oakland amazing um and he's like even worse at the kung fu action stuff than like dolomite like the cuts are like doing most of the like acting for him there like he'll do a karate chop and then the next cut like somebody else jumps out of the way <laughs> they've just been hit harder than they ever have in their life um there's like three amazingly hot women that he has sex with immediately after meeting them in the movie like <laughs> it's all about his own vanity uh. the great thing about it though i was i was watching it in the theater and they had a q a with his widow on stage and it was one of those situations where all the questions were actually comments which you know would normally be annoying but every person who raised their hand was like, yeah, that was me as a kid in the background playing basketball oh or God. like I was eating chicken in that restaurant that he owned in this oh, other scene. What a cool experience. Oh, that's so cool. I want to say at least half the audience was in the movie. Yeah. So it was like a real community theater kind of vibe. Hmm. Um, I was sitting right in front of two of his children who were talking the whole time mm-hmm. and they were like, no one wants to see their dad in a lovemaking scene. And like, <laughs> uh, you know, oh, he's so cheesy for saying that. Um, oh. So it was just a great local experience. And it was a movie that was just like lost to time. Like they um, cleaned up this really damaged print of it and like restored it um, as best as they could. Um, and it looks like, you know, 4K quality with like a nice funk soundtrack and everything. Nice. And you could clearly hear the dialogue, which is not always the case in those <laughs> 70s action wow. movies. Yeah. Solomon King. It's getting, I believe, a Blu-ray um, in the next few months oh from Def God. Crocodile, who did the restoration. I recommend going back in time and watching it uh, in <laughs> Oakland with that audience, but uh, not not as easily accessible. Uh, that's I don't know. I feel like it's so rare to have 
those kinds of experiences. I don't know. I mean, I'm I'm sure we could seek them out more, but like most of the time when I see a movie, I'm just going to the theater. I'm seeing it. You know, the commentary is what it is. But yeah. like to have that kind of community input too is like that's very cool. The closest I've had that here was this movie called Cane River, which was from that same seventies like black indie filmmaking era, but it was um a Romeo and Juliet romance mm-hmm. um set in the Cane River area in Louisiana. Yeah. Oh, so like cool. it had like the similar soundtrack and wardrobe and stuff, but it was like uh locally set yeah. here. But um personally I prefer the black exploitation stuff <laughs> with the kung fu and the <laughs> wild sex scenes and everything else. So yeah. If you're, if you're at all interested in that kind of thing, Solomon King is worth seeking out as like a lost gem. Switching gears very dramatically. Uh, <laughs> a hard left. Yeah. We're going to talk about Top Gun for the next hour. <laughs> um, we're going to talk about Twee today. I picked this topic. And we've been working on this for a minute, but it's like something that's been on my mind all year is like the resurgence of Twee as an aesthetic and specifically like that 2000s era Mm -hmm. Wes Anderson style filmmaking I've seen reflected in some recent movies that I really liked. And I kind of wanted to talk about the heyday of Twee. Mm. Yeah. We'll, we'll dig into the the better aspects of Twee as a filmmaking style and uh, maybe some of the worst ones too. Oh yeah. (laughs) And all that's coming up to you right right now. You heard of that new movie? What's it called? Oh, um, Ah, constipation. No. Mm, it's because it hasn't come out yet. You saw diarrhea, though. Oh, enough. Mm, and got leaked early. We're still eating. So I came up as, like, a cinephile in the 2000s. Like, that's when I was in high school. Um, so, like, Wes Anderson and Michel Gondry and um, Jean-Pierre Genet were, like, the big names in filmmaking at the time. I never thought of Twee as, like... A pejorative but it definitely is like an insult <laughs> like uh a lot of things i really liked as a teenager were described as twee which means overly excessively sweet and like sentimental um and like showy and precious yeah a little um, quirky quirky yeah. yeah yeah i think of that uh snl sketch where um zoe deschanel collects like vintage typewriters like <laughs> Very twee. It's an easy thing to make fun of, but when you're a teenager, like the big emotions of twee are like really easy to fall in love with yeah. because you're also having big emotions at the time. Yeah. Like watching these movies and Brittany sent a TikTok to the, <laughs> <laughs> to the group. Um, like, and it made me realize how deeply twee I was in high school and oh like no. how I'd shut all of those memories out. Like I for sure like had a ukulele and like what I was like Zoe Deschanel is so cool yeah I just wanted to be like as like pretty and beautiful and like Ingrid <laughs> Michaelson um I don't think I had bangs because okay. I I just knew that Did you own a beret work. no but I do own a beret now they're oh cool God. again they yeah, are, they've yeah, come they're around how to unleash your <laughs> unleash tweet. my tweet let yeah. it come back out I feel like I went in like a hard like I veered away from it so hard like I'm not twee and then I um I'm like I like Nirvana and and Soundgarden yeah but then yeah Anyway, I love this. <laughs> I I kind of like grew up the same time as Brandon, so like that early two thousands era, and like hated Twee. <laughs> I hated it so. Like I always sort of liked Wes Anderson uh, and appreciated his aesthetic, but outside of that, all the other filmmakers, you Miranda named, July, couldn't do it. She's one of the best too. <laughs> and 
as time has went on, I've definitely like softened a little bit. But when I was like 18, 19 years old, I was like, no, fuck this. So this you're more not- twee now than you were back then. I if, think I'm more if you receptive, would put yourself on a twee scale, yeah. I, I, was, I was too like you're cynical. like metalhead gatekeeping defenses. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah they're up. down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but they weren't down then, and like okay. that's why this has been a really interesting watch oh, wow. with these movies because my heart's a little more open to the sentimental. I feel like I was a new metal shithead before twee like changed my like alchemy, and <laughs> well, I came out of the new metalness into this. Yeah, there's a movie. That I picked that we're going to talk about. That was sort of my gateway. Okay. And then looking back on it, it's one of my least favorite that we're going to. So I don't know. There's like a whole spectrum Mm -hmm. here. But Well, I feel like the main thing I wanted to mention, though, is just like the people that would have came up around that time watching those movies are now in the position to be making movies themselves. Yeah. Uh So like this year, I was thinking of this in the context of Everything Everywhere All at Once has a lot of like twee touches mm-hmm, to it mm-hmm. strawberry mansion yeah absolutely. marcel the shell with shoes on yes there's a lot of stop motion animation this year and i feel like that hands-on artsy craftsiness um mm-hmm. in all those movies calls back especially like michelle gondry's <gasps> yeah. style of filmmaking at yeah. that time i did pick a movie that's more recent uh, we're gonna get to the the heyday of twee but mm. i wanted to get into another movie that i feel like touches on that michelle gondry style handcrafted diy filmmaking I picked Girl Asleep from 2015, which I saw in theaters, and at the time I feel like was dismissed as being like a twee hangover. So the world wasn't quite ready for what it's ready mm. for in 2022. Yeah. This movie's about 70 minutes. It's very short. It's about a girl struggling to adapt to a new school in Australia, and she makes one friend. Uh, all the hot girls at her school, quote unquote, like middle school hot girls, yeah. like, like the, the cool kids are very like prickly and not nice to her. And she has trouble fitting in with anyone except this one dork who kind of latches onto <laughs> her. And her family wants to get her more social, so they throw this big party for her 15th birthday. And everyone in the school comes, and she has to confront all of these social anxieties at once. And her way of dealing with this is she just like crashes on her bed and takes like a huge anger nap. Hell yeah. Uh, <laughs> And then in her dream, she goes into this Michelle Gondry style, like twee fantasy scape uh, where like all of the bullies and friends and family members in her inner circle all are represented by these mythical characters. Like her mm-hmm. mom's like this ice queen and her dad's this trash goblin. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. Like <her>, old Greg. <laughs> yeah. Exactly like that. Yeah. Uh, and her sister's hot boyfriend turns into this like yee yee uh, Serge Gainsbourg t- style like sex symbol French Uh singer that she's like in love with. And it reinterprets a lot of these big teen emotions in this like very whimsical dreamscape. And to me, what I like about Twee and what I've always appreciated was like on the surface, there's these very fussy, pretty details. It's Mm -hmm. very quaint and whimsical, but I feel like that stuff is always like a surface level armor on top of this deep well of big emotions. Yeah. And that's what I like about this movie. That was exactly how I felt about, specifically about this movie and another movie. And I think I was trying to figure out what kind of twee I like. And there are definitely films that we that we watched that like elements of it I didn't care for so much. But that is the thing that I love. Like this 
kind of sugary sweetness, like very, very cutesy, like very particular uh, aesthetic details. And it is like trying to use that to deal with like all of this scary, sad stuff. Like, I, and I think the twee that's annoying is just the aesthetic without any of the emotional depth. I guess I was worried about y'all watching this, though, because it, it also veers into, I think, another thing people hate, which is that Napoleon Dynamite style, like, awkward humor. Mm -hmm. This movie really leans hard into that, too. Yeah. Which can be a huge turnoff for people. So I was, especially James, I was worried <laughs> that you would, like, really turn. No, turn no, I, I really loved, for me, I love the beginning of the film, just her and her friend interacting. He's so, like, sincere, but goofy and but willing to go along with whatever and i thought that it was very funny like i i don't know again maybe i've just opened up to it a little bit more yeah. i do remember walking out of napoleon dynamite <laughs> when i You're saw kidding. it in theater yeah i, I walked because i walked out and i walked into garden state oh wow <laughs> which we'll talk about later wow. um, what a time capsule yeah really a time capsule but so that kind of shows you where my head was at at that time but no I, I was kind of receptive to it and like i thought it was really sweet and funny and then i liked how kind of like lynchian weird mm -hmm. dream logic it got yeah towards that section where i was kind of like not losing interest but i was like losing my mind a little like what is going mm -hmm. on in this dreamscape and then it really like hits you in the heart at the end there's a specific moment in the ending where a mythical character reveals herself and you're like, oh shit, that's what this whole journey was about. It's a very productive nap. She like goes to bed yeah. a child and wakes up an adult. That's like of. deep processing. Yeah. 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 It made me. I wish I could have cry. a nap like that. Yeah. <laughs> Brandon asleep. Um, I thought that this, well, the tweeness of this movie was the like the charming side of Twee. It reminded me a lot of Mean Girls a little bit, mm -hmm. like with the, you know, the three quote unquote hot bullies. Yeah, yeah. And they're wearing adult makeups. Correct. They're not, they're not yeah. children, you know. And like her parents <laughs> were pretty cool. I liked her parents yeah. a lot. Yeah, yeah, just like in Mean Girls. And, you know, she's sort of teetering between like being a dork, but then like being kind of popular. Like, I don't know if she falls mm -hmm. into any of those categories. And then she has her like very fun dorky friend who is very upfront about everything which i loved he was uh super entertaining but yeah i liked the the dream portion was cool but i i kind of dug the non-dream portion yeah. a little more really because it reminded me of napoleon dynamite a little yeah. bit <laughs> but maybe i need to re like i've never actually yeah. watched napoleon Di i've only watched the first 30 minutes that i saw in, in the theater, theater when i walked out and I've never gone back to rewatch it. So. There's, there's like a lol random style of humor there that like, I, I don't even know if that would have aged well funny. by now, but I don't know. Maybe I'll hate it. I now. laughed at the time for sure. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I just thought it was, it was cute and it felt light. I, even I yeah. like the seventies aesthetic. Yeah. Yes. Like the disco party right. scene was so, the so dad much fun. shorts yeah. and his long socks, yeah. like just his whole look and, yeah. and their house. That always like all makes that mustard yellow. Yeah. Oh yeah. The, like the deep tan beige yes. that always makes me feel nostalgic for like a time I didn't live through. Right, I right. love that aesthetic. Is this movie set in like the late seventies? Yeah. Or it is. So. Okay, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. I, 
I really like this movie. I feel like if I had seen this as a teenager, this would have been like my favorite movie. Oh, for sure. I would have been like, this is me. I relate to this so strongly. It like the ending made me cry. Um, I could feel it like working its little sentimental tendrils. Um, (laughs) And I just felt like it was a really sweet rendering of this like very uncertain time in a teen's life especially going through like like changing schools and having trouble finding friends and like finding a friend but it's like the only friend you have and, and he wants to like, kiss you yeah, yeah right oh man that moment was like Dear god. oh my god my heart for her yeah i think a lot of the twee stuff and a lot of these films we're talking about are like not necessarily dealing with complex issues they're very simple yeah. stuff but um talks about in a really honest sincere mm-hmm. way which i i kind of have learned to appreciate and i think the sincerity is another thing that turns people off to twee especially people that are into like cool subcultures like it's not cool to be so tender and vulnerable and like i just think that that's really beautiful now yeah I think Miranda July turns a lot of people off like that because she is like hard on her sleeve, like super vulnerable yeah. and like almost confrontationally sincere. Yeah. Uh, and like there's an instantaneous repulsion to her work that like like rises in a lot of people. Yeah. She she did Kajillionaire. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I saw that last year and I really liked that yeah. one. Yeah. She's great. Yeah. Yeah. I think she's like pushing this aesthetic into like more confrontational art than it usually goes to like yeah i think girl asleep even with all it's like you know etsy shop dream world stuff like it's <laughs> it's still a, a crowd pleaser at heart yeah like, it's got dad jokes it's yeah. got fun dance routines and mm-hmm. like um handmade costumes and stuff like this movie's trying to please you yeah I'm glad y'all liked this. I was worried everyone was going to hate it <laughs> it was a good out a good with watch. brandon <laughs> I mean, I I, re- I had a huge smile on my face watching it in the theater and then rewatching it, thinking about other people yeah. having to sit through it. I'm like, this could yeah. go either way. <laughs> like the flop sweat. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, like I said, I, re- I really enjoyed, like Brittany, I enjoyed the first half a lot. And mm-hmm. then the dream stuff got pretty weird. Yeah. And then it pulled me back in emotionally at the very end. I was like, oh, I like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It helps that it ends on a big celebration, too. At least you're yeah. smiling mm-hmm. on the and, way out. And- Greta's character was really likable. Like a lot of times, mm-hmm. like if there's like a teen in a movie, I'm like, oh, little shit. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to deal with this. But she was, I don't know. I liked her. No fucking potty. No, I like it. Like <laughs> yeah. she found her parents annoying, but she didn't hate her parents. Right. Just yeah. Like, I'm growing up. Like give me some space to figure it out. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And then even when she has her like, like when she kind of blows up at her friend, it's like, it's an authentic blow up. She's, pretty mean to him but she's feeling a lot of stuff and she's like alone and then this only relationship that she has is like okay well this is fucked up too now <laughs> so it was it was great there were three extraordinary children in the tenenbaum family i said sell it yeah Chaz tenenbaum was a financial expert and started buying real estate in his early teens margot tenenbaum was an acclaimed playwright and won a pulitzer prize in the ninth grade Richie Tenenbaum was a champion tennis player ranked second in the world by age 17. They were brilliant. They were famous. 
they were unlucky enough to be the children of a man named Royal Tenenbaum. So my pick for Twee was the Royal Tenenbaums. I think it's Baums, right? They were saying Baum. I say Tenenbaums all the time, but ba- I think that's Baum. wrong. I think everyone says Tenenbaums. Yeah. Tenenbaums. It's I more fun it's, to say. Yeah, it is more. Baum is, Baum is hard. Baum? Baum, Baum, Baum. Okay, I'm just going to say Tenenbaums. Uh, my pick was The Royal Tenenbaums, directed by Wes Anderson in 2001. I had not seen this movie, and this was one of the like canon of movies that I know is a good movie, and I therefore I just refused to watch it. Not actively refusing, but it's like I just what is always, there to discover? Right? There? Yeah, there's right. everybody who's seen it. It's whatever. Um, so this is about the Tenenbaum family, who the the patriarch kind of, is Royal Tenenbaum. He is married to Etheline, and then they have three children, Margot and Richie and... Chaz? Chaz, yeah. And it's... um. Sounds right. Chaz Tenenbaum. Tenenbaum. <laughs> Terrible um, name. And then a childhood best friend, Eli Cash, all played by very well-known actors. We have Angelica Houston... Margot is played by Gwyneth Paltrow. We have Ben Stiller. We have Luke Wilson. We have Owen Wilson. We have uh, the father whose name is escaping me right Gene now. Hackman. Gene Hackman. Gene <laughs> Hackman. I'm sorry. <laughs> Who hated working with Wes Anderson. Really? Like they, wow. Yeah. He did not get That's the movie. Funny. He thought it was like an awful script and didn't yeah. understand what people liked about it. Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. For, especially his, for his character. I think he only made Welcome to Mooseport after this and then he retired. <laughs> <laughs> I'm done with, with Ray Romano. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what? He also hated being in um, French Connection as well. He's a strange guy. <laughs> well, it, it's weird because like he's the only character that doesn't feel like he's on the Wes Anderson right. Yeah, yeah. He had a like, lot of life. To yeah, him. he had a light, a lot of life to him. He's not like a stilted. Not using that as like a derogatory, but he's not like of the Wes Anderson. Yeah. I also feel like that complements the movie, yeah. too. Oh. Yeah, like, contrast makes it funnier. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. And that's also part of the like whole dynamic between the family. So the children are all extremely intelligent, gifted. Supposedly. <laughs> okay, well... <laughs> they were Brandon, at one time. Yeah. I'm a, Maybe. They had good marketing, I think. <laughs> okay. They do have like... There's like a full 15 minute monologue by Alec Baldwin, I think, in the beginning about how extremely talented they are, which gets into another element of Twee, which is specificity, like the details of like, not like Margot was an accomplished playwright, but like by her 11th birthday, Margot had penned her first opera or whatever you know it's like the the details of accomplishments were very um charming to me uh so anyway royal tenenbaum kind of he's kind of like kicked out of the family he doesn't care for them that much i guess i'm not sure if he like leaves or if angelica huston is like you need to get out you know but they're separated um a lot of time goes by he's living in a hotel he gets cut off because he doesn't have any money and he kind of tries to worm his way back into his family's life because he doesn't have any money and because he finds out that his um, wife is in the talks to start a relationship with her accountant who's played by Danny Glover, who's just a wonderful man. So sweet. Yeah, he's he's so <laughs> sweet. And the family is kind of separated and various 
things happen that kind of uh, lead them to move back into the family house. So Chaz's wife dies. He's like deathly afraid for his children that like something bad is going to happen to them. So he moves back in. Um, Margot is in this kind of unfulfilling relationship with Bill Murray, who's a psychiatrist. And she's also, you know, having a, an affair with the children's family friend. She moves back into the house. And um, Richie, who was a, a former tennis star, is in love with Margot, his sister. Margot was adopted. He's been on this, like, cruise ship or the ship out in the ocean, he comes back and they all move in together. So the movie just follows their kind of family dynamics as they develop and like, you know, various discoveries are made within the family. Uh, so I had no real notions of whether or not I would like this movie. And I really, really uh, loved it. It's great. Yeah, I <laughs> I love this movie. And I feel like like this was the first time when I made the connection between like twee and like deep hard emotions like I really think that this is it's aesthetically fun there are a lot of fun visual details there's a great scene of Margot like secretly smoking in the bathroom and she like I think her husband wants to come in or her mother and she like unlocks the door with her toes it's just very aesthetically beautiful but there are like there's like deep sadness in all of the characters and it and it is real it's not like contrived sentimental at least in my opinion this is like a former gifted kid yeah. depression right where like yeah. you're told that you're yeah. really special as a kid even though you never really were yeah and now you're like having to confront how unspecial and sad you are right that that idea that every kid that thinks that they have the world in front of them and they're so special and they just grow mm-hmm. up to be damaged adults that are dealing with their shit yeah yeah Yeah, like when ben still or chaz or whatever when he says to his dad at the end he's like yeah i had a rough year oh that like broke me it's like fuck like he held on to the facade longer than anyone else everyone else is willing to admit that they're depressed yeah Yeah. and the way his voice breaks too when he says that there are a lot of like just stomach dropping out moments like that in this movie yeah there's a really hard scene with richie who finds out that Margot has had like numerous affairs and is also like sleeping with his friend and there's like he's shaving in the mirror and there's this Elliot Smith song that's playing and just like the mood of the moment plus the song is like it's it was like so deeply heart-wrenching that to me. scene does not feel like anything else in Wes Anderson's like catalog yeah. he's got such a specific style mm-hmm. but like that modern of a track with the really harsh suicide imagery yeah. and then there's all these like quick flashbacks almost like in a horror movie these like scare images yeah. of like his like memories of margo that like just feels really out of place for wes anderson i want to know like what brought him to like yeah. make that sequence um well and it's even more tragic knowing that elliot smith killed himself killed himself yeah, too. yeah. like there's layers of like sadness to that scene yeah there's actually a so they play hey jude in uh that movie and it's like some orchestra but actually elliot smith was supposed to create a version a cover of that song for the movie but he was in like such a bad place at that time that he could never do it i didn't know that yeah so they just they they just used a song that he had created before for that scene 
to me, this is like Twee Central. Like yeah. this is Ground Zero. <laughs> I remember my parents. Um, all four of my parents went out to go see this movie together. I don't know why. It was like a you know, double date night, mm-hmm. and uh, they came home and it was like really sullen look in their eyes, and they were like, <laughs> "We just saw the worst movie <laughs> we've ever seen in our entire lives. You're gonna love it." Like it was like an insult to me that yeah. I was gonna enjoy this movie. That was and, your own twee moment. And it was true. Like I, yeah. I kind of built an entire personality out of loving this movie for like yeah. a decade pretty much. Like I don't know, this style of art was open to me through this, which I feel like it's not like inventing anything new. He's like, if anything, pulling these like old like French New Wave style like visual indulgences mm-hmm. with a little bit of like vintage rock and roll thrown in like you can see his influences they're like they're worn on his sleeve but you know his particular dollhouse fussiness is Mm -hmm. like so specific to him um and like you said it's all about specifics yeah uh that i don't know i i loved it then rewatching it now i I watched it on the plane ride back um a second time really just just for the pleasure Uh, of it yeah uh i love this movie i might be (gasps) leaning more towards your parents (laughs) <laughs> that's great I'm sorry no that's great but the thing is is I don't know why I'm like I know I should like this I know there's no reason for me to dislike it I like the look and feel of it but I'm like that with all Wes Anderson movies yeah. where I'm like I know that, that it's good but I'm not having a good time yeah and I can't pinpoint what it is yeah well for me like it's not a five star it's like a four and a half and I think what brings it down for me is like the stilted acting that I think is a big it part. It takes me out of the um, like. That's why I like the Gene Hackman character. It's yeah, like yeah. oh, a real human being behaving the way that human beings. Isn't it funny to see him bounce off of those like right? Deadpan but but characters, to hear though? like he butted heads with the director and he wasn't willing to go along with the style. Well, that's so kind of what rock. makes it work. But like I- if. He did the stilted. I don't think like, he was supposed to act that yeah. way. I think he gave the performance he was supposed to give. But in every other Anderson, like the actors are curated in a certain way. Like this is your box. I think that's a big part of it. Where it, like I just, oh, like I just get this built-up frustration where I just want to go and shake their shoulders. <laughs> like the screen act like a human okay. being. Like act. Do y'all real. not find it funny? Like. I think no. this movie's fucking hilarious. Yeah. It's like constant jokes to I don't, me. I don't know why. Oh, my God. I mean, something I might be wrong funny. with okay. me. Something probably is wrong with me. I don't think so. Brittany, uh, nothing is wrong with no, you. No, you're, you're <laughs> totally no, I, fine. I do find it funny, but when it goes for those big emotional moments, like when it's yeah. humor, it's one thing, but when it's trying to really get at the heart of something, like you haven't created these characters that feel like uh-huh. real people. Yeah. And that's the only thing that like, takes me out of the big emotional moments in Wes yeah. Anderson movies. I think to say a good thing about it <laughs> is, you know, like I said, the the style is awesome. Like the costumes, like I find just super entertaining, like looking at the background. Like, you know, there's always like really ornate wallpaper, just the decor in the homes, the way that the, you know, the homes are set up or what they're wearing or what they're driving. Like everything except the acting is really cool. Yeah, I guess like that just has never bothered me for Wes Anderson or for like, like I think of Yorgos Lanthimos too. Like okay. a lot of his movies, it's like super stilted and like Alps. I don't, I could never recommend that movie to anybody but like the acting is so stilted but people are just trying to like 
repress their emotions and their emotional reaction throughout the movie. And it's like so tragic to me. And I think that's kind of how I feel in Wes Anderson movies, too, especially uh-huh. like I think I would feel different in like a super cutesy like Moonrise Kingdom, which I also. But, but isn't this movie? I mean, it's twee, so it's trying to be sentimental. But they're they're curating their outward appearance the same way that that he's curating the look of the movie. Like, yeah, they're they're acting disaffected and emotionally detached. Wow, even though they're like very hurt. Yeah, and so that, that makes is it like sadder. like that is so heartbreaking to me like people that either are so disconnected from themselves that they're they're kind of deadpan or that are trying so hard not to appear emotional that that's what you get and that's why like the ben stiller breaking at that at the very end works is like yeah that's Mm, really effective right yeah so this isn't my first time seeing this but just to mention there i had years ago i had this halloween party and someone showed up dressed like Margot, and I was like, "Can you leave?" Right now. Really? <laughs> I was so frustrated. But she brought the Margot. Like it wasn't just like, "Oh, hey, I'm dressed as Margot." She came and she was like, doing the cigarette thing, and I'm like, "Please don't mm-hmm. act like Margot." Oh no! <laughs> but it's just a defense mechanism. You maybe know? yeah. She's just trying to party. seem cooler than everyone else at the party. Yeah. That's what I was thinking. I'm like, you're not cooler than me. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I don't know. I've 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 matured. Um, since Dress like then. the crow or get the fuck out. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know. And the thing is, is my taste in film is like constantly evolving. Like, there's mm-hmm. a lot of stuff that I'm like hardcore into now that I thought was junk you know, like five years ago. So who knows? I might be like, you know, five years from now. Did anyone watch The French Dispatch last year besides me? Yeah. I did not watch that. I loved that movie. And it kind of reminded me of like how funny he is. I don't know. Like that movie is to me a constant joke machine. It's basically like sketch comedy. Right. And then rewatching this, I was just laughing the whole time. I don't know if there's a Wes Anderson (laughs) movie that I like. I don't know. You know what? Even though... The the Richie thing is sad. Like immediately after he's in the hospital, and Chaz is like grilling him. Like, can you tell us why you kill? Why you try right. to kill yourself? He's like, I wrote a note. note. He's <laughs> can like, we was read it, it? Was it sad? <laughs> yeah, it was a suicide note. Can you paraphrase can you it paraphrase? for us? <laughs> can no. you paraphrase it? The movie's like really densely loaded with like little jokes. Yeah, and I think they all land because everyone's so deadpan that like uh, there's like a tension that I need to be released from. Yeah. And yeah, I just laughed yeah. the whole time well, watching this. And another element of Twee that this movie definitely exhibits is like the score, the soundtrack is so important yeah. to a lot of the movies we're going to talk about. And this one like has such a phenomenal. Yeah. Like, it's really good. The God, score is Mark Mothersbaugh. And then the, right. like, the needle drops are all like. It's like Velvet kitsch. Underground yeah. or, it, you know, just like banger after banger on the soundtrack. And it works in this film in some other films, one we're going to talk about later, <laughs> it doesn't necessarily oh, nope. work. Um, but I find that very interesting. Like a lot of these three movies, like the soundtrack just brings you into a certain space. Very true. Soundtracks but, are a huge mm-hmm. part of Twee. But like, it, it's like a pop soundtrack. It's like, Hey Jude or, 
Uh, he loves Nelly the Stones. Uh, or the Stones. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. There's a good Ramones needle drop uh, with Margot's yeah. like past loves. I did yes. enjoy that. Yeah. Oh, that was so fun. Uh, sp- speaking of soundtracks, I used to listen to the soundtrack of the next movie we're talking about in the bathtub a lot because uh, it made me feel fancy. <laughs> <laughs> and it was just cafe? French accordion music. And I'm like, I'm taking a wee little bath. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a classy. I'm a classy oh, one. I have my little studs. I can't say I mimed smoking a cigarette, but I don't know that that was beyond me either. So, and the film that Brandon would bathe the soundtrack of. So imagine we're talking Brandon about. Bathing. It was just literally accordion music too. Right. It's uh It's Amelie. <laughs> Surprise. So I. Selected Amelie, which is a 2001 French film from Jean-Paul Genet, Jean-Pierre Genet. And so here's the thing. What's the big difference between this, the style of this and the and the Royal Tenenbaums? Like, there's a lot of similarities, but I love this movie. He's got his own style, which I feel like is separate from Twee. Except for like the specific details, which this movie really yeah, digs yeah, into yeah. that. And this is like the second time we talk about one of his films on the podcast at least with us because we watched yeah, yeah, yeah. the war film the um a war to remember the long journey there, the long uh, goodbye that sounds right the long something like, war long something <laughs> oh long crap movie. i can't war think right movie. now but it, it's that similar style where there's um a lot of whimsy and he's really heavy with like the green and red tones in here mm-hmm. with like this really beautiful classic parisian background but it's also modern day it's so freaking cool well this i would say a lot of people would call this like the queen twee like when people think of twee they think of amelie but she's so quirky yeah she is so so many like her just looking into the camera like look at how cute i am (laughs) right look (laughs) at me (laughs) so amelie or which is audrey tattoo she is like a fucking Disney character in real life. Yeah. Like she's, you know, petite. She has like this perfect, you know, porcelain skin. Her cute little bob bangs, of course, because yeah. we're in Tweeland. <laughs> Who can pull off that length of hair? Only Nobody. her. Cutting off the cheek? I don't think so. <laughs> it's, it's her cheekbones. Yes. You have to have those cheekbones They're or incredible. else you look like a giant like baby. Yeah, like a little mushroom. I'm sure many people tried at the time and <laughs> yeah. regretted the choice. Right. <laughs> oh, <no>. <laughs> <laughs> um, and all she has, she's like this, these big cartoon eyes, too. Yeah. So... Amelie has sort of a tragic upbringing. Her mom's super strict. Her dad doesn't spend a lot of time with her and assumes she has like a heart defect because she gets so pumped when her dad hangs out with her when it's just to like give her a checkup. So her heart like pounds like insanely and he's like, yep, something's wrong with you. Homeschooled. So her mother dies and and here's like the, you know, twee. The way that Twee handles death is interesting because it makes death whimsical. And this was a pretty like, I don't know, the the emotion that I get when I see the scene is like bizarre because it's like it's funny. It's a pretty scene, but it's terrifying where she's um, her mom dies because a Canadian tourist is jumping off of the of Notre Dame and commits suicide and lands on her mom and her mom dies. And then her dad like just slowly starts to like lose it and she sort of grows up and then she moves out and gets a job working at a cafe how cute how twee 
and she stumbles upon this box of trinkets from like the 40s or the 50s in her apartment and she makes it a goal to be like i'm gonna find out who this box of shit belongs to and goes on this journey and then finds the individual who the box of toys belongs to and it inspires him to like reconnect with his family so then she kind of takes it upon herself to like meddle in people's lives She's pranking people <laughs> right but but yeah like part mostly of, for good for, yeah yeah mostly for good matchmaker. Yeah, but she, sometimes she is not. a little manipulative like she's kind of like i don't know she, there's one bully that she like straight up gaslights yeah. <laughs> it's yeah, going and drives her yeah. but he deserves it no, he does deserve he does. it so like you know she takes this blind man across the street and starts telling him like vividly about oh. all the things around, which is really sweet. So that sweet. is sweet. So um, but then she tries to like do this like weird matchmaking thing with like her hypochondriac coworker and this guy that frequents the restaurant. <laughs> and it's creep. He's so creepy. And then it, it's more of like a lust thing. Like they bang it out and then it gets weird <laughs> after that. She's like a manic pixie dream girl, but for the entire world and not just one guy. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> she, she's that like manic chaos agent for like every world. person. Right. Yeah. For, yes. Very accurate. But throughout all of this, there's all these like pops of, um, you know, dream like sequences, like people like kind of burst into flames or, you know, Melt into puddles. Melt into puddles, or yeah, <laughs> or you know, things pop out of the blue and come to life, like a like a fat giant frog, or you know, an amusement park ride sexually caresses her cheek. It's it's interesting, and then she um gets fixated on a guy who has his thing is he collects like passport photos that people throw in the trash out of this like passport photo machine and no it's like a photo strip booth like uh is that passport stuff it's like those like photo strips you take at like yeah. carnivals and stuff yeah. yeah i think you can use it for but you passport use really passport. yeah i didn't yeah. know that. i think so well if it's the right size and i don't huh. know there are different passport regulations for what the foot anyway this is i not just important. i just took a photo strip at a um Shopping oh. mall outlet in Florida. I, didn't, I never considered Ooh. it could be used for governmental purposes. <laughs> yeah, it could I be mean, your passport. You photo. could you could very easily take a picture in a photo booth and you bring it to them and they're like your glasses are on and you can't use this. Oh, uh, gotcha, gotcha. So, but yeah, I mean, I like hypothetically it could be used. Okay. Anyway, yeah. So Amelie as a character is is cool. What I like about this movie is all the weirdos that like yeah. live in her her daily life. Like her neighbors or her landlady, um, or particularly the guy that owns the grocery stand, mm. Collignon, and Lucien, his um, assistant that he's like the biggest asshole to. But like, I don't know, like the funniest part of this movie is whenever like Lucien is like ranting about how horrible Collignon is, and then he starts like rhyming his name with like shitty things, and he like gets super excited. To the point where I'm like, this guy's like touched by an angel a little bit. And <laughs> he was just having a blast. Mm. And the the ultimate quote of the film is the, you know, can't be a vegetable. Because even artichokes have heart. <laughs> um, <laughs> which is very memorable. I mean, she's playing matchmaker for all these other people. When is she going to take care of her own heart? <sighs> exactly. Oh, <God>. <laughs> <laughs> is this the movie you hated? Is I mean, I didn't hate it. James. But... This movie's great. Okay. I can't do it, dude. I can't do <laughs> it. The whimsy scale was just off the charts. It's off for the you. charts. <laughs> okay. It's, I was, okay. 
my heart is open to Twee. <laughs> and I recognize that this is like a well-made, quirky, funny. Yeah. But goddamn, it's exhausting. <laughs> it's fucking exhausting. There's dude. a lot going on. It's a lot. It, oh my God. Stop, like, Baby. How did you feel about the war one? I thought we were all pretty positive on that. A very long engagement. There, there it is. is. Oh, there we go. I'm sorry. Do you even remember that? It was, I mean. It was a whimsical war. It was a whimsical war. I, <laughs> I don't know. Maybe I just wasn't in the right headspace okay. or something but like i couldn't do it i was just like tapped out after like an hour the first hour of this i think is like phenomenal thank you and then it really gets <laughs> then it really gets into like their romance and it just drags she's like taking them on this wild yeah. goose chase yeah and then they finally get together and but she has to run away and then <laughs> Then they get together and she has to kiss him on the cheek a few times. The it, love is it, cute for a second. Like, where it's like, follow. No. It's right. Blue arrows so It is so fucking okay. exhausting. This is... <laughs> the cute is exhausting okay, in this I, movie. I do have to say that we had to... We watched this on James's computer. So we were both sitting in, like, little <laughs> desk chairs. And it was so cold. So I do think that... Because I had very similar feelings, but I feel like the environment in which I was watching yeah. it did influence how quickly I wanted. Y'all the were movie like to watching go Top on. Gun Maverick on a on right. a flight. But, <laughs> right. but but here's the thing: I saw that this is I think the second or third time I've seen it, and I've never loved this movie. Yeah, either. I've always liked it. Okay, and appreciated it. Like, oh, it's fun, but I've always felt like it drags and it's yeah. too much. I mean, and, I can see that. And I love the the other characters, but the story itself, it's just like, what is it? It's just episodic and it doesn't really amount to much except like, damn, it's really cute. I'm hearing the same <laughs> thing that you didn't like about Tenenbaums where like she's like protecting herself by not emotionally engaging and like playing all these games where like she's supposed to just like outright... But introduce movie, herself to this guy no, and like but, she can't do it. But Tenenbaums had a real like... Like we were talking about, I had this story about feeling like you're special and growing up and realizing you're just damaged. Mm -hmm. And like, what is Amelie really? Social anxiety? Yeah. So, okay. (laughs) Okay. Social anxiety and what the message is to just... Just be cute. Be out there and be cute. And you can get away with anything. It's not to be cute. It's to like (laughs) overcome your... Like, she does use all of these cute things as a roundabout way of engaging with him. And she's afraid to actually, like, do the final, like, hello, I'm a human, you're a human, let's, like, go out. It took too long to get there. Yeah. So, but I did, like, that message of this film did resonate with me a lot. Like, there's a line from her neighbor that's, like... I don't know. It's like kind of a cliche line, but like if you wait for life to happen to you, then it'll pass you by basically. And that's what she's like. She's doing all these things for other people, but she's like hesitating on taking what she wants. And so she has to act on it. And that's the tension of the film. Like, is she going to do it? But I agree there that... There wasn't that much tension. The, the, that's well, interesting. I, I disagree I, with that. Yeah. <laughs> I, don't, I don't agree with that. But I did... Like, I do think maybe there were one or two too many scenes I, th- of I think them that's together. like an absurd joke, though. Is like... Yeah. She does all of the, like, whimsical games to, like, get him to the carnival sequence. And then she's finally set up this, like, elaborate... Right. 
like meet cute where she's like in control of everything and like yeah. all she has to do is say something it's her kink and then right. she adds another layer <laughs> yeah for him to come to the coffee shop and all she has to do is like literally turn around and right. say hello and then he engages and is like right are you this woman that's yeah. like you look like the one in the picture and she's like not me sorry <laughs> uh like it's absurd how much she can't just like connect to someone yeah. directly and how much energy she puts into indirectly affecting yeah. people. What if she's into it? Because remember that, um, what was that film, that Tchaikovsky movie we watched? The Music Lovers? The Music Lovers. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. his, you know, that woman he was like writing letters to where she's like, I'm going to fund you. Yeah. And you have to come to yeah. my house, it's but like we can't hang out. Too intense to directly yeah. engage. Right. So I think like that's part of her anxiety is like, I'm scared to, I want this, but I don't want to initiate it, but I want this. But it is with this, what's interesting about this movie, like, and I think this might connect with what y'all been talking about is we don't know that much about who Amelie really is. She doesn't know. Right. I guess so. It's like, I feel like I knew more about all these side characters, but I didn't really get like what, Amelie was coming when from. They, when they list the things that lens. she likes, it's like things little kids like. Like she likes putting her hands in like the beans. cold grains. Yeah, it's yeah. like yeah. you know she has never fully developed herself into an individual adult. Hands. And to me, like the tension of like her not connecting with this guy is like kind of classic romantic comedy tension. Where like yeah. usually it's misconnections. Like these people would fall in love if they just had met in the hotel lobby, but they were 30 seconds off, you know? Right. Like, there's always, like, these misconnections jokes and these, like, old-fashioned yeah. rom-coms. This one's playing with that tension, except... It's a purposeful She one. gets everything exactly right, where, like, right. things are meet up, and then she can't yeah. do the thing. Yeah. Um, so, like, I guess what kind of what you're saying is, like, the movie kind of ends, like, 30 times. Because she keeps getting to the point where, like, right. the connection should be made. Yeah. I feel like... But there's, like, a tension in her not the trigger this is how this is why like i never got into like tinder and like online dating stuff because it's like that where it's like where you like talk with someone and you're like hey cool and then you're like oh in real life like that's just weird Ugh. like i'd just rather meet you in real life <laughs> right. and then not do this weird stuff like yeah. i would never like anytime somebody was like let's hang out i'm like nope bye yeah you know yeah just because of that like nervousness where right it's like it's it's strange, it's a strange feeling. So I get her, get her a little bit. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I relate so hard, <laughs> so hard as just like a very shy person of like, oh, this is a cool person, or like not even a romantic connection. Just like this yeah. is a really cool person, and I want to talk to them, and I don't. Uh, I'm so scared, and I'm not gonna. Okay, I'm just gonna leave. It's fine. I don't need to. How you know it's yeah. like I get even with yeah. like friendships where it's like how do you ask someone to be your right friend? yeah we would never be friends unless you had in, like made me talk about stuff that you like <laughs> if, <laughs> like we would yes. have just been coworkers <laughs> I never would have talked to you yeah. again well it's like you know whenever there's stuff that I'm into and like I know people are into it like the Cajun of me comes out and I'm like I'm gonna talk to you forever yeah until you like talk to me <laughs> um, but yeah I I can get Amelie. Am I twee? <laughs> Am I a twee? I think at the end of this, we're all going to be like, holy shit. You might be the twee. Gene Hackman in this scenario. Oh. <laughs> I mean, th this movie is kind of Thank the litmus you. test. Like, if you love Amelie, you're twee. Shit. I I'm love not, it. So, I'm not twee. This I'm not. Is, I, I feel like I'm more like sad twee. I'm like Elliot Smith twee, oh, 100%. Okay. 
I but I do like Amelie. I think it's very sweet and I do th- it's like a little sweeter than Royal Tenenbaums. Yeah. But I do think there's still that like a lot of love and life and the thing that one thing I really appreciate is that like for instance her matchmaker like she's not a miracle worker, you know. That guy right. is a creep. He's creeping on his like ex-lover at the restaurant. She hooks him up with a hypochondriac. Like they don't he's not magically not a creep just because he like found the right person. You know, like their relationship at the end is not good. Like I liked that it wasn't just this magical fairy tale like Amelie makes everything great for everybody. It was like, you know, it's within the bounds of reality. There's a balance, you know, even though it's a little sweeter. What sub dungeon of Twee Hell do you have to be in to enjoy Zach Braff? That's my question. Good segue. So, so I picked Garden State, which. So again, we were talking about this, like coming up as new metal shitheads. And then I hit college. And this movie came out, I think, July of 2004, which is the summer before we were going to freshman year of college for me and Brandon at least. And um, again, I saw this in theaters because I walked out of Napoleon Dynamite. I'm like, I don't like this cynical garbage. I'm going to go see this real like heartfelt drama at the time, Garden State, Zach Braff's first like directorial debut. And we watched the trailer for his follow-up together the other day. Yeah. Atrocious. (laughs) I can't. So I don't even like Zach Braff. Like, I can't even watch Scrubs. Like, I don't like Scrubs. I don't like his face, really. <laughs> I don't like that he was dating Florence Pugh and yeah. is 20, 30 years her senior. I don't, I don't particularly like the guy. But when I saw this movie, freshman year of college, mm. getting out of that new metal shithead thing, and I'm like, ooh, I'm into indie rock now. I like... The oh, shins, God. and I like iron and wine. I have emotions, and I have emotions. <laughs> it's not just, just anger. and I like, you know, yeah. Wow. And I like, I like the music that girls like. You know, that will get like girls attracted to me. And Garden uh, State yes. was kind of that. I mean, it did work. I mean, whatever. You like the I had girlfriend, but anyway, like. So this movie, like, I owned it on DVD. I really oh liked God. it when it came out. Yeah. I don't want to say it meant a lot to me or anything, but it was like a special movie. I cried watching this in the theater. Yeah, it was wow. it was special to me when I first saw it. I was visiting a long distance girlfriend for the first time. It was like like you said the the summer after we graduated high school, mm-hmm. and like we saw it the day I was saying goodbye to go back to New Orleans. Uh, oh, and there's no. that big goodbye at the airport, and they're yeah. like, mm-hmm. they're like, no. Don't leave. Stay. And, and like, then he comes We'll back. make something significant out of this. You had yeah. a case of the Garden State Blues. I did, yeah. It, it hit me right in the feels. Oh. And it hit me in the feels, too. Wow. So, uh, <laughs> and it's kind of your generic, in a way, like the graduate story of a guy in his 20s. Like, what am I doing with my life? And he, um, you know, main character, Andrew, played by Zach Braff, who's this waiter i think at like a vietnamese restaurant he's doing nothing with his life and he has to go back home to new jersey because his mom has passed away and he sees his like old friends who are the grave diggers at his mom's funeral and he kind of reconnects with these old friends who he is you know not quite connected to anymore but they go to some parties and 
he's trying to like fit in, but he's numbing himself with drugs and alcohol. And he meets Sam played by Natalie Portman, who is kind of the quintessential manic pixie dream girl. Just a truly awful performance yeah. all around. I, embarrassing I think she, for I think everyone. she's great in here. No. I think she... What? Ele- <laughs> yeah, I think she elevates this character. I think she's the key problem with the movie. No, her character, the way it's written, is the problem with this movie. Yeah. She, as an actress, is good and does what she can with the material. I guess. It's yeah. Zach Braff's <laughs> fault. And anyway, so she kind of reawakens something in him, and it's that... Again, the Manic Pixie Dream Girl ideas, she is only there to serve him as the main character, to help him with his problems, and she has no real agency in and of herself, and he kind of awakens from his drugged stupor, and he reconnects with his father and his life, and in the end, decides to go on this romantic journey with her. And it's very cute. It's whimsical. It's very, like Hannah was saying, very particular. A lot of quirky side characters. You know, they have a friend that lives in the quarry and they they scream into the abyss in one scene. And Zach Braff is in, there's a lot of that kind of symbolism. Sheldon wears night armor around the house to eat breakfast cereal. No, and there's another scene where like, Fucking Sheldon. I think he's in the like shallow end of the pool or in the first scene, he's having a dream of being in a plane crash. It's very obvious metaphors and this and that. But um, watching it again, again, because I was very connected to it as a younger person, I didn't like it. It's not good. I guess it is to we, especially Natty, Natalie Portman's character. But I think the problem isn't so much her. It's Zach Braff for me in this movie is because this is very autobiographical from when I was reading. Like he was a waiter at the time, sort of struggling in his twenties, basically writing what he was feeling. And part of that translates, like it feels honest about what he's writing, but I don't know. I just couldn't, couldn't do it. This go round. I don't think this is a good movie. It feels very like self centered. It is to me. It's like very self-focused and like Royal Tenenbaums is looking at all these family members, like digging into the particularities of their like neuroses and unhappiness. Amelie is very concerned about the inner lives of all of the people that she meets. Like it's very like, I feel like good twee is, is very life affirming either that like there is hope for everybody or everybody is feeling their own personal unhappiness. Um, I guess girl asleep is like, like that's a story that's very universal to like a lot of people. And it's not, it doesn't feel autobiographical, you know, it's just like a story about this girl that can translate to other people. But this, like this movie, it does feel like Zach Braff wanting to tell everybody about, his life and presented in this like very magical. It's supposed to be deep, but it, yeah. there's no depth. But I, but I think right. the thing, I guess what I was trying to articulate and you, you helped me, I guess is my manic pixie dream girl. 
I'm just here Sick for bird. you, baby. Yeah, really. <laughs> but like, okay, so me and Brandon said, like, at, at 19, 18, like, this film connected with us. Um, so maybe there is something universal in the same way, like, The Graduate is universal. Is like men, when they're young, approaching their 20s or like, dealing with some shit and this movie tries to address it and it does feel you know it's zach braff writing what zach braff knew at the time and something about that feels earnest and real and yet watching it now it feels totally fake and not earnest so i don't know like easy yeah i was really struggling watching it again because like i recognize what about it connected with me when i was 15 years younger mm-hmm. than I am now, but objectively looking at it, it's like not There's that just good nothing of a movie. there. It feels like yeah. a placeholder. Like, if I were going through something, this is what it, would, it might look like. Right. And like going back to watch it now actually kind of reflects what the character goes through in the movie, where it's like returning to your high school hometown and everything just looks kind of small and sad. Mm-hmm. Like, watching this movie, I was like, there used to be something here for me. And it's like, no longer uh, there. When you go back yeah. to the <laughs> Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Honestly, at least the food's good there. I mean, well, especially, yeah. like, I think the thing that rang most hollow was at the end, the big climactic, like when him and Natalie Portman finally like have that moment in the airport and they, they're going to be a couple now. And just like, why? Like for what? Like nothing in the middle section of the film is really like, led up to that he hardly knows her right it felt empty and like we don't know her really as a person i didn't find like there was like a believable connection between them where i'm like i think this is dumb and y'all parents should be involved and tell y'all y'all can't do this so i've (laughs) i've seen this movie twice and i feel like i was very like i was very into the idea of the manic pixie dream girl when i was in high school like i would love like i would watch these movies and i'd be like i want to be like her and Natalie Portman's character for me has always been like so grating and annoying and just without any personhood inside of her at all other than like instilling him with some kind of vitality like and it like it makes me angry to think of like I mean, I think that is a lot of what Manic Pixie Dream Girl characters are in general. But it's it's like I would hate for any guy to like see me that way of like oh. an impetus for his personal growth. And like, I don't know. It's just like disappointing to see that kind this of This is also character. on the sexy baby end of that spectrum yeah. too where she's basically a child. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah she has this like, right, this like innocence, like openness to life that is like yeah very childish also reflective of zach Braff, right yeah Yeah, yeah. (laughs) but but also like we were talking about with the the soundtracks to yes with the royal tim like okay to compare this to like the tenenbaums soundtrack like this has the shins which are boring i so agree with you right now they're so boring <laughs> and like at the time and iron and wine like put me to sleep imogen heap imogen like honestly she's the best out of the I yeah, yeah. Like that song yeah. in the credits i can't remember what band it was fru fru the fru that's song? that's imogen Fru-fru. heap yeah that's oh, yeah. Shit, I didn't know that. No, yeah yeah 
But okay, those bands like at the time, you would like fight for tickets to get into their concerts. Oh my God. Mm-hmm. Imagine giving a shit in the 2020s <laughs> about seeing any of those bands live. Yeah, no, it's true. Like they're not important. If somebody would come up to be like, Brandon, I got tickets to the shit. But, but that probably like, be like iconic scene life. in this movie where Natalie Portman's character is like, have you heard of the shins? They'll change your life. That is, <laughs> that's exactly the like placeholder syndrome where it's like something profound insert here. And then yeah. the profound thing is just nothing. <laughs> right. It's the shins new slang, which is like a fine. And then he song. reacts to it though. He's like, it's pretty good. <laughs> yeah, Which is actually like appropriate. The right. music though, doesn't, go with what's happening like it uh, it just feels like it was like these are cool songs this is what's on the yeah. college radio yeah like it didn't, right now. it didn't match with like the moments and it just felt messy but i mean yeah. at the time though when you were like getting into the shins and then this movie comes out and they're like have you heard of the shins you're like oh my god like i've heard of the shins. i've heard of the oh, shins. like i'm in the cool you want to hear some really dramatic and dumb uh Always. when juno came out i texted my friends after the movie i was like kimmy dawson doesn't belong to us anymore <laughs> she's like made it big time and like uh we won't be seeing her at like diy shows in the oh, park anymore uh, or whatever very yeah very dramatic oh man I don't know. There, there are some funny jokes in this movie that I think still hold up, especially Peter Skarsgård's character. I like, like his character. The part where he's like, yeah, you want to go to this party? We're, we're about to head out after we bury your mom. Like, the, he's got <laughs> these like matter-of-fact line deliveries yeah. that made me laugh. There's like a shape of a good movie here. Mm-hmm. It's just the personality behind it is so empty and has nothing to say. And I believe that whatever depression and like blank yeah. slate detachment from the world he was going through that he was feeling that mm-hmm. but i don't think he has anything significant to say or observe or even express about that feeling and especially with this whole like if i had this romantic partner that they're gonna bring me right out of it yeah like, that because at the end it's like when he says like no i need to go work on myself and then i'll come back to you like that's the correct answer yeah 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 but then he comes back like, no, 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 we need to do this. You can fix me quicker. No, yeah. that's wrong. Yeah. Like, you, you're right. It has like kind of the right thing to say. But I, I agree. The the moments where it works are like the smaller moments of humor. Because it does, it has some funny parts. I'm not trying to shit all over it. Like Now, now that you mentioned that, though, he already goes through that drama in miniature when he goes to the millionaire's house party and there's like uh, a younger girl who's like probably underage and he's like kind of fixating on her the whole night. And he's like kind of relying on her to bring him out of this funk. And then he decides not to engage. Mm-hmm. Um, like that was like the movie in a nutshell and like the healthier way of like dealing with right. this stuff. And then he goes into like a genuine version of that romance with someone who's slightly older. Right. And that's why it sort of falls apart Yeah, at the end and feels unearned. But did anybody like this? All right, good. <laughs> no. <laughs> Unanimous decision. Yeah. Garden stayed bad. Yeah. I'm I glad do. I picked I'm glad I picked it though. Yeah. I, I never would have watched I didn't know what it was about. Like I thought it was gonna be and this might be my ignorance. Like when I think of New Jersey, I think of mob wives. Like I thought it was gonna be like, you know, Zach Braff in Jersey. Right. And it wasn't. So, so So this movie had no like significance in your mind or like it was just no. like a completely anonymous, like Sundance style drama yeah. that, like, you don't think about. No, never thought about it, and then <laughs> saw the title, and I was like, "Cool." 
that's what's so funny to me about like the soundtrack and this movie and stuff like if you're a certain age and like something like this comes out it feels so important yeah if you just like waited two years don't worry about it yeah like, nothing <laughs> it's like you could get it the five dollar bin at yeah big lots yeah oh this is a three dollar big kinda lots where be- that's kind of where it belongs but like it's not awful, you know. Like it belongs in the five dollars. I think lives. it's pretty awful, and I think Natalie Portman is the problem. <laughs> I disagree with you on that. I think Natalie Portman did fine with what she was given. I think it's Zach Braff that is to blame because he wrote it, he directed it, he started. I mean, it. ultimately, Zach Braff is to blame for most problems yeah. in life. <laughs> we yes. do not like Zach Braff. <laughs> yeah, uh, I'm gonna. Br- I'm gonna. Uh, bring that up at work next time something happens. <laughs> Have you considered asking Zach Braff about Some it? Some people love Zach Braff. I know no, Scrubs I know. is like a huge, I, a lot of people love Scrubs. Show. A lot of people love Scrubs. I never Scrubs. got into Scrubs either. No, not me either. He reminds me of like a poor man's Ray Romano. <laughs> <laughs> Which is a very poor man indeed. <laughs> I'd rather watch Welcome to Mooseport with Ray Ram- oh, the real Ray Romano and Gene Hackman than watch this again. Gene Hackman would rather watch Welcome to Mooseport too if he was still alive yeah. than any of these movies. Oh, for sure. <laughs> well, I, I really enjoyed revisiting um, these films, even Garden State, just to like rag on myself, like to remind myself that not everything I enjoyed as a teenager is emotionally significant. Like I thought that was let worth go, the exercise. Let go. <laughs> let go. Oh, that's so good. <laughs> But I, I thought most of these held up. Like this was this was an yeah. example of like checking myself. You know? <laughs> it was like a good nostalgia check, but I, the other oh. ones I thought were pretty solid. Yeah. Gotta check ourselves every now yeah. and then. That's right. I, I, Amelie, I just had to tap out on the That crossed the, the line for you. That it sounds crossed like the line understood. for me. Ten and bombs crossed the line yeah, for Yeah, ten and bombs crossed the line, crossed the line, the line for Brittany. See? Everyone's got yeah. their yeah. limits. Yeah, we all found something we hated in Tweet right. Day too. We need to find someone who loves Garden State. <laughs> <laughs> no, really round all four of these like really registers with that person. I will judge that person. I would be impressed. Intensely. But oh. I, don't know. I don't know that all four of these would register for the Ooh. person that loved Garden State. So we need to find them and we right. need to grill them. We need to interrogate them. <laughs> I guess Girl like, Asleep would be the turn off. Yeah. <laughs> We're kind of recording out of order right now, so I don't know what to promote on swampflix.com mm, or upcoming on the podcast. Yeah, just listen. It's a, it's going to be good. Here's what I'll plug. I um, wrote something earlier this year called The New Twee Extremity, uh, talking about these like this new crop of films. I think I was particularly talking about Marcel the Shell and then also Fire of Love, which was this like documentary about these volcanologists uh that was narrated oh, yeah, by miranda yeah, yeah. july and was like oh very God. sweet that's also a, uh, um like a, a spoof of reality show it's fire oh, of love that. where they get the hose from the fireman instead of the rose like on the bachelor i think i saw that if you ain't here for love <laughs> love ain't here for you anyways sounds distantly familiar <laughs> it's like, let me be your fire of love <laughs> Brittany relating everything back to Housewives one more time on the way out. <laughs> every time, every time I come out, I'm like, I wonder if Brittany is going to make a reality TV show reference today, oh and just, I've never been yeah. disappointed. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>